The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Good morning. This is the second hour of Analyze This. We're getting ready to enter the Candidate Speaks, and it's me, Summer Sibley Brown, filling in for the Neville James. I'm missing bad this morning. They had me on for an hour just talking to Ayo about all the musings in my brain. I hope, I hope that it kept you entertained and you all are feeling good on this Monday morning as we continue to go into our Candidate Speak series. I, I, I promise you, you didn't have to listen to me for two hours that we'd actually have um, a guest in the studio and we do. We have um, the Honorable Senator Angel Bulkes Jr., Yes, that's correct. Um, and before morning. we go, morning, everybody. So he's joined us. Um, and usually the candidate speaks, you know, starts um, 9, 10. But we're going to give him his 40 minutes from 9 to 940. Since he was like on time, and I am sure you all are tired of listening to me talk to myself, <laughs> or at least hoping that you're talking to me. So just before we go into our official um, interview, um, the candidate speaks. Remember, we have 40 minutes, and usually how it works is we give the candidate a chance to introduce themselves to the listening audience who may not have met them before. Then we have some rapid fire questions on all of the issues and as Neville likes to say we ask aspirants aspirant questions and you know incumbents incumbent questions this is a unique interview today because the aspirant has had a short time as an incumbent so we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna see what a mix um of those questions are but senator bulkes um for those listening who may not know you um introduce yourself tell them who you are education experience all those lovely things about yourself. All right. Thank you so much, Summer, and uh, thank you for having me. Buenos dias. Good morning, everyone. This is Angel Bulkes Jr., your senator at large, uh, looking for your support uh, to continue the work that I've begun in this short interim of time that I've been appointed as your senator at large. And let me start by saying, um, for those who may not have known, uh, I'm born. I'm a born native Kushan, uh, born in St. Croix. I was raised here up until seven years of age. I attended Lumuckle School. Um, and uh, after that, I went to St. John, where my mother is from. My parents, unfortunately, divorced. And uh, my mother took us to live on St. John with her. So that's where I was raised. So much of the, the man that you see before you was raised on St. John and, and is from St. John. But natively speaking, I'm a Crucian. Uh, for most part, <clears throat> I attended uh, the Guy Benjamin School on St. John, which is now closed. Uh, Sprouse School, and then from there, like every other St. Johnian who, uh, unless it, unless you're in a private school, you have to catch the boat every single morning over to St. Thomas in order to finish up the rest of your public education in the high school uh, portion of your education. So, you know, every morning, 5.30 in the morning, you know, getting up, trying to catch the 6.15, 6.30 boat to get over to school and get ready for a full day of education. Uh, from there, I went to Atlanta, where I went to AIU, and attended uh, American Intercontinental, uh, studied business administration. I'm also a graphic artist. Uh, matter of fact, I also was a teacher. I taught at Gift Hill School. I taught uh, computer technology, and I read, write, and speak Spanish, so I also spoke, uh, taught Spanish at that school as well. I've never taught in a public education, but I've taught in private education. Uh, from there, I have an extensive background in um, 
the hospitality industry, um, sales management, revenue. Um, I've also worked uh, in the public sector for the Board of Elections, uh, coincidentally, and I worked there for about seven and a half years. I was the administrative assistant to the Board of Elections in the St. Thomas, St. John District Board. Uh, in addition to that, I left that position uh, to work in the legislature because prior to that, I ran in 2018. I was not successful and I wanted to further apply myself uh, to learn more, to understand the intricacies of how the legislature works and the bill to law um, progression. So I was uh, fortunate to work for Senator Marvin Blyden, who taught me a lot. And uh, here comes an appointment. And um, for most part, I'm, I'm thankful for everyone who has said that, man, you look like you've been there already and, you know, you're doing such a good job. So I really appreciate all of that positive feedback from those individuals because I went there to work and I went there to learn. So um, for most part, applying yourself is a very important part of progression. And um, in this case, it's really paying off for me because um, I was able to go in there and understand and learn and work side to side, shoulder to shoulder with Senator Blyden and even be on his uh, uh, bequest when it comes to events or, or things that he couldn't attend and he would send me because I was also his legislative researcher and his public liaison. So I was able to learn a lot in that short amount of time and looking forward to representing you for hopefully the next two years and beyond if that, uh, asking for your vote number two for Senator at large. Uh, so that's a little bit about myself when it comes to my background. So let me ask you, um, let me ask you, why in the first place, because extensive background, why in the first place did you decide you wanted to run? What is your reasoning for deciding you want to run for office? Good question. Back in about 2012, 13, I think we started to get the real grip of the, the recession hitting us. Um, things, you know, things trickle down here to the Virgin Islands. It takes, a, it takes a little while, you know, before we really get the full impact of some things that directly affect the United States. So at that time, during that time span between uh, that time until about 2014, somewhere around there, I started to get really interested in how our society works, right? Mm. Um, I started pay, paying more attention to the governors, the senators, the delegate, everybody. I'm like, because I was getting older and, you know, I have children and I wasn't quite seeing that, you know, horizon that, that you know, I want to ride off into the sunset in my old age and, you know, live a good old life and, you know, mm -hmm. make sure that I have health care, everything set, you know, my children are okay. And I wasn't quite seeing that because I was hearing about GERS crashing, health care is in shambles, education is a mess this that and the other you know and we all we all came from there things are a lot better now i mean we still have a lot of work to do however as a as a younger individual getting a bit older in life right because i'm 43 now but you know i started to pay way more attention to this stuff I, you know my my upbringing and the lifestyle that i chose for myself doesn't necessarily correlate with politics right so I'm supposed to be on a hillside planting, which I love to do, by the way, <laughs> for the record, <laughs> you know, but for most part, I still got very interested in it because I want, I want a future for my children and I want a future for myself and for everyone else in this, in this territory. Uh, and I didn't quite see it. And I started to get more and more involved. And then I said to myself, you know, well, you know, I have some qualities 
and strengths that I can bring to the table to help with whatever solutions that we're looking for for these problems. I'm not saying that I can solve all of them, but I know within myself and my capability and my capacity that I'm more than willing and ready and trial and tested to be able to come forward and come to the table and help with that solution. So you, 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 you've led me perfectly to my next question. Tell me about your qualities and capabilities that make you um, Angel Bocas Jr. You said number two? Numero dos, number two. Numero dos on the ballot um, for at-large senator. What are those qualities that you feel like I'm bringing to the table if you elect me? Thank you. And for most part, I think that I'm a very good communicator. And in this profession, in this field of work, collaboration and communication um, are key. In, in addition to, you, you know, your, what you bring to the table. And now, that's different in any candidate because each candidate has their own strengths. For instance, uh, Maurice James, she's an attorney. So her legal, her legal composure is likely higher than other candidates. I did not study any law. However, I understand how law works. But to, to give me a, a pen and a paper to go and do certain things that Maurice can do, I cannot do it. However, that's why we have 15 senators. Now, let's not get into the discussion about how many we should have. <laughs> Nevertheless, each of those representatives that we elect will bring a dynamic part of their personality or a strength to the table that we need. We know that the finance chair that's leaving, he was very good in finance. That's why he was the finance chair for the last three years. For me, I'm very um, business administration, um, communication, uh, marketing, and revenue. Um, these are things that I understand. These are things that are my strengths. Um, read, write, speak Spanish. I'm able to reach that uh, demographic of people perhaps a lot easier than other senators. I know Senator Carrie Young is somebody also that can reach that demographic. So that's another strength that I have. So overall, I believe that um, my overall strengths are really in the area of business administration, communication, marketing, uh, sales and revenue. Um, I understand budgets too. I, I dealt with the budget for the board. I mean, it's not the biggest budget in the world, but I understand how budgets work. And even so, when I was appointed, I attended every single finance committee hearing in order to understand how they do it in that branch of government. And I also participated in the budget markup process. And while I was there, I was able to advocate for $600,000 for two fire trucks for the island of St. John. In addition to getting some money for crime victims compensation, something that I'm running on, which I can gratefully say I'm scratching off of my platform that I accomplished within this short amount of time because they did not receive any money whatsoever for the last eight to nine years. I, so I was going to save this question for the last round, but you, you brought it up now, right? You are okay. actually in the seat. So nevertheless, said we'd ask aspirants, aspirant <laughs> questions and incumbents, incumbent questions because you're running a little bit on your experience, right? So people have a different expectation. So you just talked about attending committee, you know, committee hearings and yeah. sessions. And um, tell me about how has that worked with your campaigning? And then you just talked about an achievement mm -hmm. off of your platform. So talk about how this new experience maybe has prepared you or taught you something that you feel like you're going to be moving forward if you are giving consent to govern. Thank you. And I, I will say one of the most difficult things that I've had to try to uh, overcome, if I can use that word, 
after being appointed is pivoting between the job and the campaign. Mm. Now, before I was appointed, I was all over. I was just, I want, I want F all the time. I want full, like ready to go, ready to go. Anything, let's go. I'm over here. I'm over there. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But the second I was appointed, you know, we had to slow down uh, the campaign because obviously we made it in a sense, right? And we have to fulfill the responsibilities of the job. And, um, you know, I take it very seriously. I don't take it lightly. Um, and and from, from there, you know, I dedicated a lot of my energy and time and effort uh, into the job because obviously I want to make a good impression to the people of the Virgin Islands. I want them to show, my, show them my capabilities, what I bring to the table, because um, any serious voter based on what happened or transpired would obviously direct their attention to this new person that has now become appointed and what 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 can they do right so uh between working and trying to pivot back to the campaign has been very difficult uh but we have found a, a happy medium i have a really good team i i really do and i appreciate all of them um, you know, the Ventura family, the Castillo family, Bulkas family, uh, my wife, uh, my family, you know, so everybody's sort of like, uh, and you know, they have their own nine to five as well. So that's the other, you know, <laughs> you know, when you, when you run against an incumbent, you leave your job if you're in the public sector, which I was, and then you have so much time on your hands, you're able to do all these things. Uh, but for most part, I think my team is really doing their best to fill the gaps and I appreciate them for that. So, I mean... Before a listening audience, or an, in my brain, as you were explaining where you are, I was like, so it feels a little bit like a double-edged sword because um, it, it could slice either way. So where can some can see it as it's been a benefit mm -hmm. to you to be appointed to the position and to get some expertise and to show what you can do. It also have the con of taking you off the road of visibility. So if a person is not paying attention to the legislature mm -hmm. um, and doesn't track those things, especially in campaign season, some of your work is invisible and now you might be less visible because mm -hmm. you, you know, so just, just to balance out the conversation, there is a benefit, but there's also a con to, and you as a aspirant still have to navigate, have to navigate both. Mm -hmm. um, so, Wow, right? Because for some people, oh, he gain no, that, that's that's easy, not mm -hmm. not not necessarily, not. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, not necessarily, but it it does lend to you having some experience. Um, so we're gonna jump into what we usually I call it the rapid fire, okay. um, conversations. Um, this is where I'm going to just ask you a bunch of questions about a bunch of things really quickly for the next 30 minutes so people can hear where you sit or stand on any of these issues. Um, and so you mentioned health care, right? Yeah. So the, let's, let's talk about Virgin Islands health care. Mm -hmm. where, where, where do you see us um, on the trajectory of health care? Um, what are your concerns or, you know, feel is working really well that you want to add to? I'm more of a holistic approach type of uh, healthcare. Uh, persona. So for me, 
uh, I think we have to do the things that we need to do to prevent sicknesses from happening. You know, eating right, exercising, you know, taking your vitamins and, you know, watch what you, your intake is on, on certain things that are not natural or whatever. That's just me. Um, when it comes to our healthcare, uh, I think that we obviously have an issue with healthcare, um, specifically more so here on St. Croix. Uh, with the build-out of the JF, um, the JFL hospital, uh, which has taken a very long time. And we need to really get that fast track so that we can have our um, people get the, the, the um, <clears throat> services that they deserve. My, my father died from colon cancer, so um, the unfortunate part is that he had to keep going to Puerto Rico, and I, I had to go with him. So it took me away from a lot of my other responsibilities. You know, I'm on a few boards. Um, my job, I had to take time off and, and frequently fly with him to Puerto Rico, um, you know, so that he could get this, the services that he needed at the time. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, we have um, some other private entities here on the island, which I feel need to work a bit more uh, cohesively with our public hospital to, to kind of fill in the gaps because hospitals really and truly, we have this notion that they are supposed to provide all health services. And in fact, that is not the truth. That's why you have the private um, professions, the private doctors who deal with specific professions to fill in the gaps where the hospitals cannot um, support the services for. Now, my opinion is that our hospitals should start working with those larger hospitals in the United States. For instance, like, um, uh, what is it, Cleveland Clinic. A lot of people in the Virgin Islands, a high percentage of people, when they go away for healthcare, they either go to Cleveland Clinic or the other one is, uh, it slips my mind right now. So once, once I remember, I'll tell you. But nevertheless, we need to form relationships with them so that they can try to, to even come here and start a public, a, sorry, a private practice here that is able to help facilitate our hospitals. And also, hospitals are too politicized, in my mm. opinion, with the boards and, and appointments and so forth. So even education. But however, we need to step away from all the politi political components of our public entities and let them operate as they should be. So this is our number two on Analyze This, Candidate Speaks, and we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to be in rapid fire question and we're going to talk about agriculture, environment, um, land and water, use WAPA with aspirant and incumbent Senator, Senator Angel Bulkes Jr., number two on your ballot. El sistema de elecciones de las Islas Vírgenes lo está haciendo más fácil para que tú formes parte de nuestro equipo por medio de nuestro programa de voluntarios. Estamos en busca de personas buenas como tú que puedan proveer a cada votante el apoyo que necesitan para que efectivamente puedan participar en el proceso de votación. Puede comenzar recogiendo y completando la aplicación para voluntarios de cualquiera de nuestras oficinas en el territorio. Usted puede servir como monitor. También tienes la opción de convertirte en un facilitador, asegurando que los votantes que están votando por primera vez 
los envejecientes y la comunidad de deshabilitados puedan votar con confidencia y acertadamente. Si tienes el tiempo y estás dispuesto a servir, hay un lugar para ti. Solo inscríbete. Si quieres más información, llama al 340-773-1021. Y recuerda, el votar no es solo su derecho, es lo correcto hacer. Chris Shackamick, I served in the United States Air Force and I deployed three times. So in 2017, I was serving as an Air Force First Sergeant. Our motto in that role is my job is people, everyone is my business. But unfortunately in that year, I would lose my own brother, Lance Corporal Adam Shackamick, to suicide. The majority of veteran suicides are from guns. I store my weapons securely, not only for myself, but for my family. Store all your guns securely. Help stop suicide. My service never stops. Brought to you by N Family Fire and the Ad Council. My name is Teresa Barber. I was in the United States Navy, and I served overseas in the Middle East and Africa. Early on in my career, I had a commander that taught our suicide prevention training, and the very next day, he took his own life. 90% of suicide attempts involving a gun are fatal. My way of continuing my service is to help protect my community by being a responsible gun owner and by storing firearms safely. Store all your guns securely. Help stop suicide. Brought to you by N Family Fire and the Ad Council. are back in the middle of candidate speaks with um senator angel bocas jr he's number two on the ballot before break you know he was basically introducing himself talking about his experience across multiple sectors um to include teaching at gift hill which is something i did not know about you and when we get to the agriculture section i want to talk about that a little bit um but before the break we were talking about healthcare, and um senator bocas you said that you know st croix is St. Croix is, you know, in a position where we need to work on GFL North. We need to to get the hospital up and ready to provide care. You talked about potential partnerships with U.S. partners. Um, I wanted to ask you from your position as a St. Jonian, mm-hmm. Crucian, but a St. Jonian, he made sure he let us know he was born on the Big Island, but raised on St. John. Um, do you what do you think is our health care comparable in terms of is St. John in the same place as St. Croix in terms of? lack of hospitals i i would say yes because um what's happening with jfl north is not a permanent situation and st john is actually in a similar situation because we're also in the modular units very similar not as large as jfl north obviously but they're in modular units and both hospitals need to go in their respective permanent structures and conduct the services that they need to provide for the for their people um, and before before I continue, um, I got a phone call from my teacher, Mr. Eddie Bruce. He's listening in uh, Chicago, so I want to give him a good shout out, Mr. Eddie Bruce. Love and respect all the time, Baba. But yeah, so um, you know, we really need to work on on trying to get our nurses and our uh, doctors and everyone in our in the Virgin Islands in our hospitals in St. Thomas. Yes, I know there's the facility there um, has some work too. However, the cancer, the Kemmelman uh, Cancer um, Building needs a lot of work. Um, the federal dollars are coming in for that. Um, but everything takes time, unfortunately. Mm. You know, it's not something that's just an instant fix and it takes time. However, JFL has been a long time, since 2018 until now. So we really need to speed up. 
that process. I, I want to get to our other topics, but I don't know if you remember, but the first time we met, um, actually, we I was we were entering a hearing for the refinery. Um, it was being held at GFL it, downstairs. Um, you were walking in and we had a brief conversation and you highlighted for me the fact that because there wasn't the requisite facilities on St. John, mm -hmm. that no more St. Jonians were being created. I am very passionate, passionate about that because I believe St. Jonians are becoming extinct. And if we do not have a birthing center for St. Jonians, then we are just birthing, with no disrespect, only St. Tomians. And I, I think that as a Virgin Islands, we should have a collective interest in all of the people from all of our islands. Um, you know, for most part, there is some some language that exists in the national parks um, federal documents that that Rockefeller intended the use of the property or the land that was given to the national park for the native St. Jonians. So if you're not birthing native St. Jonians in the event that the federal government, I don't know, eons from now, just theoretically speaking, decide like, oh, well, we want to give a half an acre to native St. Jonians in this part of the island so that they can build homes for themselves or whatever. If you're not birthing St. Native St. Jonians, then there will be none to give anything to, yes, so it. to speak. So I know that you're passionate about it. Do you think that in your sitting in the legislature, should you be given consent to govern, that's something that you willing to put your political will behind to raise awareness around and see what policy could be made to address it? Most definitely. I've already begun that. Um, even in a Senate hearing, I, I questioned the... Uh, director for the hospitals, I uh, can't remember her name this minute, I'm sorry. And I, I mentioned to her the same thing, that, that what about a birthing facility for St. John? And, and their argument was that there isn't enough resources uh, in order to, to justify having a birthing center in St. John. But, um, you know, from a medical standpoint, there's a lot of other things that could go on St. John based on the traffic of people that flow through St. John. Not just the residents, but the workers, the people who travel from St. Thomas to, to work on St. John, whether they're construction workers, people who work in public or private entities, in addition to obviously the tourists, which St. John has by multitude more than any other island of tourists, even though it's smaller than all the islands, but we have way more tourist um, traffic than any other island. Most people come through St. Thomas just to get to St. John. In addition to that, are we going to wait until something happens to one of these multimillionaires who comes to visit St. John and has some sort of bad medical relapse or unfortunately, God forbid, dies for us to say, okay, now we're going to put so-and-so medical you know, extension to the clinic so that this never happens again, yada, yada. We need to be more proactive than reactive, in my opinion. Okay, so let's talk proactive. Thank you for indulging me on the healthcare conversation. I didn't mean for it to go so long, but anyway, let's talk about proactive and, and let's talk about agriculture. Um, I've heard you speak about agriculture. If you, you know, if you maintain your current seat and you're giving a seat in the 35th legislature, do you have any plans um, for policy or to support existing policy um, for agriculture? Yes, I do. Um, right now, I, I plan to work very closely um, with all of the agricultural entities, nonprofit organizations, in addition to the department, 
and the federal departments. I mean, I can't work with them side by side, but I can advocate mm-hmm. on behalf of this territory for more, more um, sustenance when it comes to uh, finances and grants and so forth. But in my opinion, I believe the department needs to do more when it comes to help facilitating the farmers. Even like the, um, you know, that's the stuff that goes on the ground to keep the grass from growing up. Mm-hmm. The department should be able to purchase that and sell that for their farmers. Farmers who are trying to run their own farms, having to, to buy that on their own is a substantial amount of money, work and time, and of course the excise and taxes that's involved. I'm willing to support um, the additional funding to the departments so that they can be able to get everything the farmers need in order for them to purchase directly from the department so that they also, meaning the department, are able to have a stream of revenue. In addition, I want WAPA to start working on water line extensions in farmlands. Water is the number one issue for every single farmer. If we're going to get serious about food security and food autonomy, we need to do these things now. In my opinion, we, we're, we can't wait until the next storm hits to say, oh, we're starving because the United States can't help us right now because they're busy dealing with their own natural res- disasters. In addition, Vitima needs to work with Sedima. I'm not sure if you know who, what Sedima yes. is. Yes, I do. And for those who are listening, Sedima is sort of like the FEMA, the Caribbean FEMA. Emergency Disaster the, Response Agency. And, and why I say that is because we just had a hearing, a matter of fact, I had a hearing and um, I invited Vitima. And their dispatchers are in Kentucky, meaning the National Guard that helps the Virgin Islands in the event that we have a natural disaster. And they have to go through an executive order and then dispatch troops, dispatch equipment, dispatch food, etc., to come down. All of that takes time. So why not form a relationship with our Caribbean brothers and sisters, right, down the, the chain of islands, who all work together whenever they all have their own collective mm-hmm. natural disasters or whatever. But we should join that so that in the event that they need assistance, we can help and vice versa. But it's important because the people from down the islands who have people living here in the Virgin Islands, we have a lot of nationalities living here. It's a melting pot of society. They understand us. They understand our geography. They understand our traditions, our cultures. And I'm not saying that someone from Kentucky wouldn't understand because they're here to help, and which we are really appreciated. But if they're not able to respond quickly enough, it's always good to have a plan B. So we're talking about disaster. You mentioned Sadim. I think that gives me a natural, you know, where do you think we are? We're in a protracted recovery, right? Mm -hmm. In your role, if you are, you are a senator in your role, your, that oversight role, what are your feelings on the recovery? Um, what do you think we should be doing better? Or are we are we doing the best that we can? And yeah, that's the yeah. question. And, and I know Position. I veered away from agriculture a little bit. Um, but no, you know, but yeah, but it's, it's rapid it's fire. It's all connected. Yeah. Right? So with, with the recovery process, I really honestly think that we're, we're doing good in my opinion. Some projects are taking longer than others. For instance, the hospital. But in my opinion, that should have been a priority more than anything else because healthy people are sort of like the foundation on any functioning. When we're talking about getting things done, function in society. You know, you have to be healthy to be able to work, to be able to do what you need to do in order for society to move forward. Um, 
you know, I don't know what all of the um, issues are when it comes to the total overhaul recovery mm-hmm. because I haven't um, had any discussions with the office of this, this um, disaster um, in any one-on-one atmosphere to really ask those questions that you potentially just don't ask on the floor. Um, you know, but those questions concerning that, I go and visit the website. Um, it, it does say a lot of good things about the recovery process. However, I think the hospitals are still something that we really need to work on. And of course, our schools. Let's talk about WAPA. You know, mm-hmm. that, that is the, you know, that is one of the intractable problems. And WAPA comes before the legislature frequently. Um, so what is your position on WAPA and how do you see your oversight role um, being able to facilitate something different? Okay. So you got to give me a little time on WAPA, okay? Because mm-hmm. I have a lot to say. Go ahead. It's <laughs> is your time. It's okay. your time. So here's my position on WAPA. My position is every single person in this territory, or at least 99% of them, is a client of WAPA. There should be no reason WAPA comes to the legislature of the Virgin Islands asking for appropriations for whatever it is that they need it for. They should be able to run their business, which WAPA is a business, uh, and operate. However, it's an administrative issue. In addition to a lot of very bad decisions that were made in the past that are affecting us, their clients. You have the LIAC, and then you have the base rate. Within the LIAC is basically for purchasing the fuels to operate their generators. So fuel fluctuates in costs on the market, oil, whatever it is that they're using to run their generators, right? The LIAC is the base rate, which includes all of the operations, um, payment of employees, in addition to any uh, loans that they have um, acquired. And as we know, they've made a lot of bad decisions when it comes to some of the deals that they made that they're responsible for when it comes to loans and contracts, of which it's inside the base rate which we end up having to pay when we pay for our our bill. What I believe needs to happen is those loans need to be refinanced to stretch them out longer so that the the monthly payment is a lot lower so that, in fact, our rate goes down because I think we're at 48 or 49 cents a kilowatt hour or something like that right now, which is terrible. And they really need to refinance a lot of those loans in addition to cut back on some of the properties that they're paying rent for that they don't use or utilize. Mm. WAPA right now is renting vehicles for their meter readers, okay, from car rentals. Now, I'm not taking this away from any car rental. I mean, I know everybody has to survive, but... But as a as a agency or, or authority, I apologize, you should be just investing to purchase your own vehicles. If you're paying $1,000 a week for a vehicle, why not just purchase a car? No, you don't purchase a car straight out. You, you purchase it and then they give you a monthly APR. They give you $300 or $500 a month and you pay it off in 15 years or whatever. Why not do that? Why are you... Why are you renting vehicles rather than purchasing a vehicle and paying for it within a 15-year um, time frame? So I don't know. It's a lot of bad management, in my opinion. And I think that the management needs to look at the way that they 
uh, make their decisions. I'm not sure how the structure works in there. I know there's a board and an executive uh, team. However, I'm not sure who's making or calling the shots when it comes to that. And again, th- these statements are not against any specific person in WAPA. It's just my personal opinion based on the facts that have been presented to me. So um, I believe it's a, a management issue that needs to be rectified, whether they need to make some changes or, or take responsibilities away from a specific group of people that have been making these types of, it, of decisions and putting it under the board or wherever it needs to go. Let's, let's do quickly work, education. Mm-hmm. Um, again, where are you in oversight and what policy or changes do you think need to happen in our Department of Education? In the Department of Education, I think <clears throat> when it comes to uh, a number of things, I, I want to see more civics in our schools. I want to see more financial literacy. I want to see, like many people, our Virgin Islands history taught in our schools. Um, I, I think the department has... You know, and, and again, when we talk about politicized, right? Um, having a commissioner that is appointed by any one governor in some cases could be problematic, right? Um, you know, we, we tend to see the reset button from time to time, every four years or every eight years, it just depends. Um, and in some cases, that reset button is a blessing and in others, it may be a curse. So... I really want to see more of a strategic planning approach when it comes to education. You know, something that is fueled not only by policy, but fueled by um, data and and the information. Because we know our children are not reading the way they're supposed to read. We know that our children are not, not, um, when it comes to mathematics, they're not not quite where they need to be. Uh, So... Why not go from a strategic planning approach and say that, hey, you know, we want, we want to be able to reach this plateau. However, we need to make sure that these things happen regardless of who's in charge, you know, regardless of who is the next commissioner. These are some of the things that overall the department needs to do um, in order to reach that goal. So, so that's how I see it. And as, and as um, also I've been, I've been a Board of Education member, and, you know, for me, um, you know, I missed a, a portion of my tenure there because of my father being sick and having colon cancer and having to travel with him. But, you know, you, the board has a lot of power and the board has a lot of say when it comes to the, the policies and how we would like for the department to operate. However, the department has not always met the board uh, in middle ground mm. and has not adhered to the suggestions of the board or the pro- protocols. We are going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to wrap up with two rapid fire questions for the senator and give him a chance to tell everybody why they should vote for him. He's number two on the ballot. Um, this is Analyze This. I'm Summer Sibley Brown. Banking for your business. At Bank of St. Croix, our mobile apps provide access to business accounts on the go, and our merchant card services accept credit and debit payments anywhere, anytime. Plus, the online banking platform means your bank is always open. Bank of St. Croix has two locations. 
one in Gallows Bay at 340-773-8500 and one in Peter's Rest at 340-713-8500. BankofStCroix.com Good morning, neighbor. I see you got your bumper stickers and yard sign up, Polly. Yes, I'm so ready for this election season. Me too. Just waiting for the info on the polling places and then ballots. What polling places? You mean voting centers? The election system is using voting centers this year, where you can go anywhere across the island, walk in, fill out a ballot. Just bring your ID. Really? Because my daughter lives in Tutu, but walk all the way by the airport and would try to run back home before the sun goes down to vote. Nope, you're no longer stuck to just your neighborhood on election day. Voting centers mean you can vote anywhere in your district. And the next time, try the early voting option too. Skip the line altogether on election day. Girl, you have all the good tips this year, man. So, who's going to win? Ha! Read my yard sign. Then pick any voting center. Just remember, voting is not just your right. It's, it's the, the right, right thing, thing to do. A message from the election system of the Virgin Islands. Sometimes it takes a 16-year-old to articulate what's important about the arts. In our society today, there are lots of conflicts because people don't think relatively enough. They think mm -hmm. too absolutely, and music is always subjective, and that is why I love it so much. Meet inspirational young people like this teenager every week on From the Top with me, Peter Dugan. From the Top, Wednesdays at 9 p.m. on WTJX-FM, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. And we are back and we are closing out Candidate Speaks with um, Candidate Angel Bolkas Jr., number two on the ballot. He is running for senator at large. And um, I, you know, got a text question and I want to give the senator a chance to respond. One of the questions that I received um, via text this morning, which makes me happy because it means people are listening, is, Senator, you are currently appointed to sit in um, the Senate seat, but you are also an elected member of the Board of Education. How will you navigate um, if you are given consent to move forward in the 35th, having that position when you would have an oversight role over the board, right, of Board of Education, when the, when they come before you, how, how is that going to work? Oh, well, if I, if I am elected to the 35th Legislature of the Virgin Islands, I would relinquish my seat on the Board of Education. Um, the, the legal counsel of the legislature, I've already spoken to them because uh, I know that there's been a, a flurry of discussions about what should be done. But in fact, the, the law speaks specifically um, to elected and not appointed. So, for instance, uh, there's there's nothing that's prohibiting me or anybody else from um, being elected to a board and then appointed somewhere else. But once you become elected, then you would have to relinquish your seat. And that, that is my specific case currently. Okay. Um Thank you. The other thing I wanted to ask is uh, recently the EPA, <laughs> they put out a finding and um, you were the only person that I saw um, made any commentary. One, what is your position on environment? And two, why? I mean, I guess you can't answer for other people. Why did you make a statement? 
So I take this very, very, very seriously. Um, the health and overall protection of our people um, is very important to me, and I'm assuming it's important to any politically public elected official. Uh, when I read the report and I learned of its existence, uh, I quickly tried to consult with uh, my team because I wanted them to also read it and to tell me what they felt about it. Um, I was very, very concerned because I grew up in Peter's Rest up until I was seven years of age. My grandparents, my parents, um, we, we had to deal with the smells, we had to deal with the smoke. After that, I left for St. John, so it was out of sight, out of mind, but I know it's something that people in that vicinity have had to deal with for many years. Now we know we have a new ownership coming in and they're supposed to be taking the proper steps to make sure that safety is paramount. However, we see that this has happened and the report also has some other things that I did not deliberate upon in my press release because I wanted to be, you know, as careful as possible because, you know, sometimes you, you, you put things out and then you cause more issues, right? But for most part, I wanted to make sure that the general public knew that this is something that I plan to work on and collaborate even with the delegate. I, I sent a letter to the delegate and it's really more in her purview. And I made sure to give her a phone call first just to let her know that, hey, I'm going to send you a letter. How do you feel about it? She was fine with it. And she was thankful that I was concerned about, about what was happening at um, the Port Hamilton um, refinery. So your 40 minutes is basically up. So I'm going to give you two minutes to kind of like sum up for the listening, for our listeners, um, who you are and why they should vote for you. Please give them name, number, um, so they know what to do on election day. Thank you so much, Summer. And thank you, Analyze This, for having me. I appreciate it. And for everyone who's listening, this is Angel Bolkes Jr., number two on the ballot for Senator at Large, currently serving you as your Senator at Large in this very short amount of time. I have worked very hard. I'm trial and tested and will continue to work hard for you. Um, I was able to uh, secure funding for crime victims' compensation. I was able to secure uh, two fire trucks for the island of St. John, type 3 fire trucks, smaller trucks that can go down some of those narrow, smaller roads where we can get to those fires that those big trucks cannot get to. Um, I'm also working with my colleague concerning um, uh, amending the Free Tuition Act, which was passed to give uh, free tuition uh, at UVI for students. However, we're amending it to have free career technical education, okay? And what that means is that for those individuals who may not have been able to graduate, right, and would want to get some sort of career technical education, he or she, or, or maybe want to make themselves whole, they didn't make the right choices in life, but want to move forward and have a positive life, they should be granted the same opportunity to have a free course, because right now in the Virgin Islands, career technical education courses, you have to pay for them. We want to make those free. We want to amend the Free Tuition Act so that individuals can get free career technical education certifications to move forward in the Virgin Islands. So I have a lot of other bills, but I don't have enough time to speak on all of them. But I'm asking you for your support and your vote. Number two, Angel Bolkes Jr., numero dos in Spanish, and Limo Day in French. Oh, wow. Not French, too. Thank you, <laughs> Senator Bolkes, um, for being on air with us. Good luck. Thank you. Um, and good luck to everyone out there who is running, um, like I said, Decision 2022. We're coming to a close. Early voting ends today. Today. 
today, 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 you have unt- up until seven. So um, if you are interested in going to vote, please do so. And if not, and you want to be part of the vibe that happens on November 8th, you know, that's nine days away. Continue vetting your candidates. What I would tell you is that we have a podcast. So if you miss a portion of the show and you want to hear the whole of it, we are on Facebook. There, We are on Podbean. You can listen to it um, to follow up to hear not just from today's Candidate Speaks interviews, but from the series, from everyone we've done so far. And we, we've, let me look at the list. We've done, of the 21 people running in the St. Croix District, let me tell you how much we've done. Um, Beam. One, two, three, four. We've done about 20. Is that correct? I got to double check that number. Um, Who's missing? Yeah, I'm going to get back to you. I actually need to text Neville because it looks like we would only have one more person to interview in the St. Croix district and two more people to interview in the St. Thomas district. That don't feel correct. So I'm going to double check with Neville and I'll tell you in the morning if I, cause you know, I was off for two shows to see if we're missing anybody, but it looks like we only have one more person in the St. Croix district, but I'm saying that to say we are closing out the candidate speak series. Um, if you are listening to us today, I was talking earlier about D. Hamilton Jackson. I was talking earlier about, you know, the leadership, um, and the legacy that leadership leaves and good, bad, or indifferent people who offer themselves up for public service that is a that is a task, right? And as I think about honoring the legacy of D. Hamilton Jackson and the respect of the station of a community service person, while you know we have plenty of opinions and things that we we love and don't love about people who have who serve in elected office, there's also a level of reverence and gratitude for those people who are willing to put themselves, their lives, their thoughts, their views, and their leadership on the line because it it comes at the cost of our public scrutiny. Let's be real. Like and in the Virgin Islands last week I had um hmm, I had Brittany Dawson on and she said something besides talking about living a gentle life. Um, she talked about our ability to weaponize our voice in the Virgin Islands because we're so small and we're so insular and with things like social media happening and how quickly we often do that. And we are usually weaponizing that voice against people in public service, right? The people who say, I want to help, I want to serve. When they're not doing the things that we think, um, we often, you know, we often go for the jugular um, and social media has been one of the ways in which we do that. And so they'll be fitting up themselves. They know, they know, right? I'm not saying we should go easy. I'm just saying those people are in large part serving us and also um, at, the, at the edge of our frustration, our anger, our vexation. And so for that today, I want to say thank you. There is a bit of reverence for them stepping up to serve because it is not without um, nicks and knacks from the public when we are when we are displeased, right? Our accountability measures or the way we seek accountability um, could be really rough when you're from the VI. Um, and so today, while we prepare for decision 2022, um, I want you to remember that thank you to 
every last person who decided to run because that's how we encourage more people to run actually right not by not by backing down from the accountability piece but also recognizing that um aspirants and incumbents who seek to do public service are public servants and it comes with both it's that double-edged sword it comes with public praise and it comes with public criticism um i am so 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 excited that we have four more days before neville james come back who would have thought i you know i was like i'm gonna be in the studio i got this it is hard to be neville james people um you know like i don't even have the numbers and the facts but i give in thanks for wtjx and for neville wherever he is this morning for the beautiful job that he wakes up and he does on um, behalf of his NPR. You know how he loves to do his R that I cannot do because the R is for Rakim and he loves rap. It's a thing. I know it now. We all know it. Um, but the way that, you know, he greets you all every day with like information and, and, and preparedness, that's no, that's no small skill. That's no small thing either. And so as I am saying, public service, what he does is a public service waking up, coming on WTJX 93.1 FM, your NPR station and, and keeping it, keeping it up there, keeping it analytical, bringing numbers and issues before you in a way that we can think about, um, I mean, like, yeah, wherever you are today, Neville, shout out. Um, if you have, if you can text him and tell him, hey, Neville, we are thinking about you, missing you on Somerset, manning and shout out for the great job. Um, I think he would appreciate some of that love. And then he'll be back next week, Monday. Um, if you were listening to us this morning and you had anything you wanted to share about um, D. Hamilton Jackson, decision 2022 or even something that just like popped up in your spirit about leadership please feel free to call 7180761 um um to let your comment and voice be heard with me this morning or 3407184555 3407184555 um is another number you can call in to leave a comment I'm going to just summarize this morning while I'm waiting to see if anyone else is listening. I'm grateful for the text. I received two texts this morning and that was encouragement. Um, that was encouragement to let me know that there are people out there who are listening this morning. And I hope something every day um, I leave here hoping something that was said on this NPR station this morning 93.1 WTJX 1 was informational, 2 educational, 3 inspirational, right? Inspired you to go out to do your day because really and truly every day that I'm on the air with you, um, I'm learning and my favorite shows are the shows where I actually forget <laughs> that I am talking to you and that I'm so enthralled with our guests that I'm learning at a rapid rate. And that happens frequently here for me at on this station. So I am, I'm hoping that's happening for you. Today, the thing that I learned was that D. Hamilton Jackson was in favor of the transfer from Denmark to um, the United States. And um, that was, you know, to sum it up, that was a quality of life issue. Um, if you know Dr. Um, Dr. Larson, who is a historian, I'll never forget, he was given a presentation at WIM and he talked about the quality of life with the Danish where there was no infrastructure, there were no roads, there was no lights and the birth rate and the death rate at the time was extremely low. So when we're looking at 1915, 1916, um, 
upcoming up until the transfer a lot of the infrastructure in the virgin islands that we have today roadways healthcare, um lights those things didn't exist and so he likened it to when you didn't have a jacket and then after the transfer you were given a jacket what that felt like and so why at the time so many people were grateful for the transition because the u.s government not not because they were perfect, but they actually transitioned in um, a different issue of building out infrastructure for the Virgin Islands. We could debate the reasons why that happened. List the polling stations. I have a call to list the polling stations, and they're actually voting centers. Latest polling location. So on St. Croix, it is D.C. Canagata Recreation Center, St. Dunstan's Episcopal School Auditorium, St. Croix Central High School Modular Gymnasium, St. Croix Educational Complex Gymnasium, Arthur Richard School Modular Cafeteria. So this is the 2022 general election voting centers, DC Canagata Recreation Center, St. Dunstan's Episcopal School Auditorium, St. Croix Central High School Modular Gymnasium, St. Croix Educational Complex Gymnasium, Arthur Arthur A. Richards K-8 Modular School Cafeteria. And now let me do, um, give me one second. Let me do St. Thomas. Twenty twenty two St. Thomas St. John University of the Virgin Islands Sports and Fitness Center. This is on St. Thomas. Charlotte Amali High School Gymnasium. Tutu Park Mall, Tutu Park Mall, former Scotia Bank location, Ivana Eudora Ken High School Cafeteria, and then on St. John it will be Julia Sproul Elementary School Cafeteria and Calabash Boom Community Center. Um, it is about that time. I thank you for the, the last comment. Views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters.